Hello, and welcome to this week's installment, August upload, of We Love Gymnastics. This episode actually is a, I guess, a re-airing of a roundtable we did at the beginning of the year on January 16th, 2022, with um, Darren Goburn's mom and Tia Kiyaku's mom. It was a great conversation, a very poignant conversation, if I do say so myself, about racism in the NCAA. And well, at least, at least in gymnastics. And so, yeah, this is one of our most requested episodes. And so here you go. Enjoy the audio version. And if you hear snoring, that's just Klaus in the back, as always. So, yeah, um, enjoy. It has been almost two years since the video of the murder of George Floyd, in which San Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin pressed his knee into Floyd's neck for more than nine minutes as he gasped for air, yelling, I can't breathe, was plastered all across our media and our screens. Words which rang throughout our, our nation and sparked protests and calls for change. These protests and calls for change were echoed and reinforced by people all across the world, including public demonstrations by gymnasts, coaches, teams, and fans in our sport. On February 27, 2021, UCLA hosted its first ever Black Excellence Gymnastics Meet. The meet against OSU was developed to celebrate the team's past and present Black gymnasts as well as raise awareness for the fight for racial justice. In the midst of this incredible social justice movement, it's crazy to think that our nation was also being ravaged by a virus. And to top it all off, our sport was still attempting to recover and rehabilitate itself in the wake of the Larry Nassar scandal. A scandal which spurred a movement amongst its athletes, but finally found their voice and had decided to speak out against the physical, emotional, and mental abuse they had been subject to by coaches, teammates, and those alike. This is Roundtable. Racism and NCAA Gymnastics. Hello. Okay, so um, and welcome, welcome everybody to the roundtable discussion tonight. We thank everybody for joining us as we host this very, very special conversation—a conversation that we are sad that we have to host, but a conversation that is important in a conversation that as people of color in this gymnastics community, we will keep having until there is change and until it's not just a performance, but an actual reality. You know, each year as we you know move forward and as we gain more people of color into this community, and that's something I've actually worked very hard to make this community a comfortable space for people of color so we won't feel so outcast and like we're just raising some rice when we go to, to events and things like that. So with that being said, with all the hard work, with all the efforts that me and Addis has put into this, particular conversation. I want everybody to know that you can keep your hateful comments to yourself. Um, this ain't something that we are here for today. Um, if you are interested in this conversation, please get off because we're not going to go back and forth with you today. Um, this is about these people and getting their message out 
of what they have experienced in this sport. Uh, we understand that the initial conversation came from a story. Uh, that story we may brush against, but we're not going to go full in because the people who are involved aren't here to either um, speak on their experience or even. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. But it's, it's, we have yeah. our two guests here today. And um, without further ado, please introduce yourselves and please let the people know why are we had to have a special show today. You want to go first, Desiree? <laughs> sure. Desiree and um, other, a former collegiate gymnast, um, Tia Kaku, uh, at Ball State and um, the University of Alabama. And um, I think everybody knows at a tumultuous end at classics within NCAA. And for me, I am here to raise awareness of um, what goes on with our girls, all the things they have to go through, um, not only when it starts in college, that, um, you know, uh, predominantly white, you know, sport. And there's a lot of things that um, that just, you know, don't have a and um, I think it's very important that people have a safe space to, be able to speak out when they have any kind of ramifications. So for me, I'm here to um, stand in and everybody who, you know, um, have those issues. And I think it's very, very important to bring up have the awareness. Absolutely, absolutely. And I am Takesha Goburn. I am the mother of. Darion Goburn, who is currently um, a collegiate athlete at Auburn University. I am here also to bring awareness to racism that goes on, not only in like Desiree said, not only in NCAA, I mean, this is what we've dealt with our entire JO career from, from the beginning um, until up until college, like I, I did not foresee any of these things, um, but it was there and we had to deal with it. And it needs to stop because I have nieces and little cousins that are coming up in the sport that want to do college gymnastics. And I'm afraid for them because of the experiences that we have had. So um, I, I advocate for all brown, gymnasts across the board. I will not sit back and watch anything go down and not say anything. I won't be silenced. Doesn't matter what I face. It needs to stop and it needs to stop now. And more than anything, once again, we want to, you know, reinforce like this isn't about us. It's not about, you know, this whole, like, it, this is about the athletes, because I mean, like, like I've told Desiree many times, I mean, sorry, Takisha many times, these athletes do death defying tricks. They, any slight miscalculation and they could severely hurt themselves. So to even add on the slightest semblance of pressure or any sort of like, you know, a bad day, it, it can really mess with their psyche. And 
after the summers of demonstrations we had, after all the protests we had, after all, you know, the, the fists in the air, after all the posts on social media, it's one of those, like, it was all lip service. And it, it's worrisome that we have to be here. But before we get on to that, I want to go back, because every good story has a beginning, middle, and end. So if we could please take it back to when... Does it work with you? When did Kia first um, get into gymnastics? How did that go? How did you find how did you find gymnastics for? How did you get her involved in it? Like tell me that story. Let's begin with that. So yeah, um, so when I was little, I, I was just exposed to a lot of different types of things. And my mom did a really good job with um exposing my brother and I to, you know, different um different things, not only just sports. So when Tia was little, I decided to put her in gymnastics. I was a cheerleader, so I didn't know anything about gymnastics. Um, <laughs> so, but I also put her in like basketball, um, dance. Like she was just in a whole bunch of different things. But um, what stood out is that her first gymnastics class when she was three, um, the the teacher came over to me afterwards and was like, um, "I think you need to consider, you know, putting her into like some type of gymnastics class or something because." Unlike any other other little girls that usually are in the class, she can pull herself up by herself. She's really, really strong. Like, I didn't even have to help her. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, just, you know, didn't think anything of it. So I took her to a gymnastics, um, uh, uh, you know, um, class. And um, she took a couple of classes, and then we moved to another gym. And immediately once she got there, the coach wanted to know if she could be on their um, competition team. Um, and I'm just sitting there like, yeah, whatever. I didn't know anything about gymnastics. And, um, so I'm with the moms and, and, and like, you know, her experience in NCAA, she was pretty much the only little brown girl who, um, was, oh, can you guys still hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, she was pretty much the only little brown girl, um, on the, the team. Um, and so the moms were, you know, giving me the runaround about, how it works and you know how you move up and all that stuff and I just wasn't aware about that and so um they were like you have to do this level before you move up and the coach moved to up like two or three levels like right away and so <laughs> at that point the parents were a little bit upset <laughs> and I was just sitting there very you know unaware of what was going on that's pretty good and she you know you know pretty much um gave up her other uh, activities and started focusing on it. Very good. Very good. What about you? Like, when did you decide to put Darion in gymnastics? Like, when, when was the... Uh, I know we talked about this earlier, but just, you know, I'm going to reiterate that story. <laughs> so, Darion started out in all-star cheerleading um, because I, too, was a cheerleader. So um, she started out in all-star cheerleading and we used to have this meet at Tropicana Field. Um, one side was cheerleading, the other side was a gymnastics meet. And whenever we did this meet, she would always at the end want to go and watch the gymnastics. So we would go and watch it. And she told me for a, a while that she wanted to do gymnastics, but I didn't know anything about gymnastics. And we just, I didn't think we had the time because she was six but she was on four different teams in our cheer gym. She was from our minis to our seniors. And then on top of that, she did ballet. Um, so I just didn't know where I would find the time to do all that because I had other children that were involved in different activities. 
So one day, I think our practice was canceled for cheerleading one of the practices. And, you know, she had been asking for a while, could we go to the cheer gym? And I was like, I mean, to the gymnastic gym. So since we had a few minutes in between, I decided to take her over. So um, they asked her to do, you know, some tumbling and, you know, um, after she was done, um, the the coach came to me and he said, well, she has level 10 tumble. He said, but she's never done gymnastics. So he asked me, you know, could we put her in a rec class? And I was like, sure. I didn't know what a rec class was. And I didn't know the difference between anything, but I was like, okay, you know, I can, we can do, it was one day a week. I was like, we can find one day a week that we can do this. So the next week we put her like in a, a level one rec class. And after that, he said, well, we want to have her come to our level three rec class. Cause he told me, he said, it's going to be like four years before she gets on team. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And then, so after the second week, she did the, um, the level three rec class, he came to me and said, well, we want to put her on team. And I was like, wait, that, that like, it happened real fast. And, um, again, I didn't know anything about gymnastics when my baby first started, she started in July, the end of July, they started competing in September. She didn't know technique. She didn't know anything about the sport. She was taught the routines and she just went out there and did what they taught her. And then after like her second, after the first year, a coach took her aside and like, pretty much kind of taught her technique. So she learned technique as she went along, like almost at eight years old, but she just had a love for the sport and she, she, it was like natural to her. So, you know, I had to move all of the furniture out of my living room because she would tumble all over my house. <laughs> um, she taught herself to tumble on her bed. I didn't have any, um, anywhere in her closet to hang clothes because she broke all of those trying to do bars. But I mean, it was, it was worth I, it. She loved it. I know the feeling. I know the exact feeling. <laughs> so, um, moving on. So, as little girls, as parents of these little girls, and bringing them to these places where mostly um, non-Black people and non-people of color, what were, as I'm sorry, what was, as parents, your experience with dealing with, you know, racism and bigotry and getting your your young girls to even be noticed to get them to the next level in the sport? I don't, I don't even think, for me, Darion, the gym that we started out at, Darion was the only Black parent there. And so, of course, I was the only Black parent and it the way it was set up we had rooms that we watched the girls um practice and like on the right side all of the gym parents sat the other side all of the cheer parents sat mm -hmm. i am not a person that i involve myself with a bunch of people parents at all i would mm -hmm. i would never sit with the gym parents i sat on the other side with the um with the cheer parents because i just didn't want to get into the whole politics of gymnastics i didn't know enough about it even if i did like i had told myself from the beginning i told her we're not getting into the whole political part of gymnastics if your talent is not enough to get you where you need to be this is not the sport for you so mm -hmm. i never really dealt with the parents until later but it you can you can feel like when you walk in and you know 
you could hear the whispers because when Darian started level four, she was she was the only one that was doing a first year of level four. All of the other girls were second year level fours. But because she came in and she picked up and she was doing just as good or better than the other girls, parents have so much to say. And I think in the sport, a lot of times the parents are the issue. Not so much the girls. It's the parents. So, you know, they would sit over there and whisper and say little things. And and, and I sat back and I said nothing because, you know, I didn't want to be looked at as the angry black woman because, you know, that's how we're viewed. But then one day, you know, when I, while I was sitting there and I just heard a whole bunch of talking, I politely got up and left the cheerleading side and went and sat right in the front row of the gymnastics side. And nobody had anything to say then, yeah. you know. So it's it's... And for Darion, she was just out there doing the sport. I think she was so used to being the only black girl in everything that she did. When she did ballet, she was the only black girl. They, my kids went to all white daycares. They went to private school. So they were the only black kids always. So the, the funny thing is, I think it, Darion didn't even realize for a while that she was even black. And I, t I say that because I remember when she was like six and we went out to dinner and the, the family was having a discussion. And we were talking about us being African-American. The girl freaked out. She was like, who African? <laughs> Baby, you are. Like she, she lost it because you know, she, she, that's not something that we ever like really discussed in our household. and. Like, if you look at my, my family, like, most of my nieces are biracial. You know, most of my cousins or my brothers, even my son, like, they all date white women. And it's okay, and it's accepted in our family. So that's what she was used to seeing. And I thought she was okay with that up until one day, I think maybe as a level seven, we had to go to Atlanta because I was, I was, I think she had regionals or something. And I went early because I, I was going to the hair show. So I was like, okay, you need to practice. So we need to find a place for you to practice. And I gave her the phone book and I let her pick where she wanted to go. Do you know how she picked out the place that she wanted to practice when she opened the phone book and saw a team full of black girls? Oh, and wow. I asked her, I said, why did you pick that place? And she said, because they all look like me. I want to go here. Mm. And that's when I realized where I thought we were okay or she was okay with being where she was that she really wasn't. And I never even, I, ne I never even thought about that. And what about you, Desiree? Because I'm already crying. I'm already crying. No, <laughs> <laughs> we can't hear Desiree, you. we can't hear you, baby. Press uh, the the mic button on the on the bottom of the video. Nope. Can you hear <laughs> Yeah, let me see. Uh, try it. Nope. Try to rejoin. Like, uh, exit the window. Rejoin. Do it. 
chili bear. Technical difficulties. <laughs> Technical difficulties. It happens to the best of us. Always, always, always. <laughs> no, but that, I mean that's. I mean that's the thing, right? Is it's it, presentation is what matters. I mean, I saw a post yeah. today about one of the Arkansas gymnasts, and it just it, it that's what it is. It's, it's presentation. You're trying now. Yeah, yes, there you go. Okay. Wait, are you? You here? No. No, we can't hear you. No. We can't hear you. Do you have headphones, Desiree? No, we can't hear you. Mm-mm. We can't hear you. There's like a little like mic. Oh, she left. Oh no. Well, while while we're trying to get Desiree to get out, let's. Move I will on. go to her house right now. <laughs> I, I will get in the car. I will ride clouds if I have to. So, what the next thing you know before we get to the parts of the conversation that we're getting to the the next thing I want to bring up is um. When your daughters get older now, she's older, she's more competitive, she's going to the um, J.O. system, trying to get scholarships, right? How does she feel then? Because it wasn't until, let's be honest, until maybe the last five, six years, maybe until after Gabby Douglas won the Olympic Games in 2012, that it kind of at least visually change. Like we see more black girls in the sports. We see more brown girls in the sports. But before then, it was next to nobody. So how did um, your daughter feel about like trying to get her scholarships and stuff and maybe not feeling like she had the same opportunities that everybody else had? I don't think we really dealt with that. Because when we started the sport, it was because it was fun for her. We never thought long term. I didn't know anything about college scholarships. She did it because it was fun and she loved the sport. So um, as far as um, I remember one of her coaches coming to me when she was like maybe like a level seven. And she said to me because she was a judge back in the day. And I think one day she noticed that whenever the girls would come into her dance room, that Darion was always segregated from the rest of the team. Like the rest of the team would go sit off in one area and they kind of shunned Darion. And she brought that to my attention one day and she was livid. And she was just like, this isn't right. And I don't Mm -hmm. like this. And she addressed the team. But as far as like, she never thought about the whole scholarship thing, you know, because like I said, it was for fun. But with her, um, Auburn was always the place that she wanted to be. Okay. And like that, that was, I mean, she never wanted to go from the beginning anywhere else other than that team. So she had, you know, there was a lot of other people that were interested, but it was always that one team. And it was to the point where whenever she knew that there was other colleges coming in to visit, she didn't even want to go to practice that day. She was like, I don't even want them looking at me. <laughs> like, what? Wow. So um, it was just the fact that 
she just we didn't really have to go out there and do a lot her talent spoke for itself and i remember um jeff saying one day he said like she was a diamond in the rough and he noticed that you know back then and so you know he continued to watch her but um we had changed gyms i remember the first gym that we were at the reason that we left um we had heard that there was um a new gym coming in town so david and laura were opening up a gym in lakewood ranch gymnastics and i had never heard of them but i heard a lot of amazing things about them and um so i was just like you know maybe we should switch and she was just like no because she was comfortable where she was and i went one day and um had a conversation with the gym owners they weren't coaches or anything but they were just gym owners and um i asked them i was like okay she's young like she's eight and she's already doing optional gymnastics like what what are your plans or your goals for her because they had never had a girl in that gym that i know of that went past level nine so i was just like are you gonna you i'm like do you plan on taking her 10 like do you have a plan and they told me no they said they didn't believe that she could ever be anything past a level nine gymnast uh. and then um and then and then then they went on to tell me that um he, he explained to me that gymnastics was a sport for rich white people and that you know they just didn't think that it was going to pan out anything mm -hmm. past where she was so um i i i messaged laura or i got in contact with laura and um they were they were I think they were coming to lakewood ranch that day or whatever so I reached out to her, Darion didn't know, and I think they were gonna practice in their new gym the, the next day. So I didn't say anything to Darion. I just took her there. Cause I, I, you know, she was comfortable in her gym. I took her there. And while she was there practicing with David and Laura, um, I went over to the other gym mm -hmm. and I cleaned out her locker. Cause I was not gonna take her back there after that conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember her coming because she was she was just reluctant to go anywhere. I remember her coming to me. Um, she came upstairs like midway through practice and she said, Mama, I'm not going back to the other place. I want to stay here. So um, that that was that was um, for me. That's when I realized that there was racism mm -hmm. in gymnastics. And that's one thing the I think we're talking about. To me that. The financial side of the sport. But let's see. Desiree, can we hear you? Can you hear me? Yes! yes! We did it. <laughs> well, you did it. We did it. <laughs> okay, so let's go back to the question, Michaela. Will you ask it again just so we can? So the question I had for Desiree was that um, as you were trying to get your daughter prepared for scholarships and, and um competing with the other girl, did you ever felt any kind of racism or any kind of bigotry as maybe she was trying to get to her dream school and her school was like, um, whatever? Because I've heard a lot of stories about schools purposely telling Black girls, no, we don't want you or no, you don't have the body type for our school. So did she experience anything in that regard? Um, so our experience was a little bit different. You know, I didn't have a lot of it, um, knowledge about, you know, gymnastics. And so I was learning, especially when it came to getting the scholarships. But, um, what we did experience is that when Tia would send videos or contact schools, 
um, they would tell her she had to like do all these crazy elaborate, you know, skills. And um, I mean, I'm not talking about like the top division one schools. I'm talking about like um, <laughs> the lower division one schools would be like, she would have to tumble over her head. I mean, just ridiculous things. And we we look at their, you know, team and we look at their skill sets and their girls weren't doing a lot of things they were requiring Tia to have or to do to be on their team. Um, we would go to camps and um, we'd see girls that they would offer scholarships to that we just didn't fully understand how because, you know, their skills, their skills weren't, you know, as dynamic as some of the other girls that we would see who were African-American. Um, we did have some experiences with um, people saying like, she's very powerful and, and not in a good way, which normally is a good thing. I understand. Um, you know, her, her body. They do to black gymnasts. They they label them as powerful, and mm -hmm. so they could never do like beam routines or elegant routines or score high. God forbid the European look. Or they have the European look. The European yeah. look, or they just they just keep the black girls as vaulters and floor exercise and give them some hip hop yeah. floor music and send them along their way. Yeah. Um, yeah, we also had experience with the body, the body. Um, I mean, now, you know, I understand exactly what it is, the body shaming. Um, Tia wasn't a big girl, but, you know, she doesn't, she's not thin and she doesn't have that little petite, you know, um, posture. But her coaches at one point um, spoke to her in terms of her eating and her body shape. And um, that was a big conversation we had to have because, you know, I didn't want my daughter to um, get into a place where she was, you know, had an eating disorder, but, um, and she was not big. She was a, a thin girl. She just didn't have the same body type that um, was typical at the time of gymnast. Um, so that was a big issue. Um, but, but for us, what we did see in the recruiting process is that, and, and I've talked to a lot of other um, African-American parents, um, is that their girls were being asked to do way more than what a normal, you know, gymnast would be asked to do in terms of the skills. And Brown Girls Do Gymnastics says she's totally thin. She just has booty. And that's something else that with um, African-American gymnasts, you know, as Black women, we just naturally have cakes, right? That's just no matter how hard you work out, that case, the case is hard to, to, to deflate. So, you know, a lot of the times they hit the girls hard because they just have butt and that's just not something that they can, I mean, your butt is still a muscle. So even if you're exercising, you can still gain that muscular mass in your butt and still be completely thin and healthy and strong. Mm -hmm. And that's a muscle and it might, it might help you out in some events. T, didn't we talk and about this? Talk, and, and, oh, go ahead, my bad. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. sorry. And, and what I would say is that a lot of times, you know, I know they would, um, well, when she was in college, when she first went to Ball State, um, they would, you know, look at their body fat. Tia wouldn't have any body fat, but mm. her shape is not typical. And so that right. was an issue. And it shouldn't be because her gymnastics wasn't uh, directly, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't bad because she had a different body shape. It's just the image that they, you know, used to be, um, used to in terms of gymnastics, and we didn't have that image. The real thin, you know, European look. Right. Yeah. Right. And you know what? Because I remember, I remember deductions. Yeah. I remember David, um, or maybe it was another coach that went 
to um, question one of the judges when Darion was on bars because when they're doing Giants, you know, they, they don't look straight up and down because they have their butt. And, and mm -hmm. I, I, we fell. We fell. <laughs> Pick us up. Okay. We're good. Okay. We're good. Go ahead. I think she threw herself on mute. She's having a hard time trying to take herself off mute again. No, we can hear Desiree. We, I heard Desiree. Desiree talking. Oh, you Desiree. hear me? <laughs> oh, she left. Yeah, we hear we. No, nah, she left. Okay. So hold on to that yeah. thought. It was fluttering. We've got it. Perfect. I love her hair, by the way, Desiree. That's, oh my God, it's so pretty. It's so and, and you just have like the muscle, just like, yes. I love it. <laughs> And the Please. other thing with um, African-American gymnasts that we get is hips also. It's like <laughs> when they're doing like tough. And another thing is like a lot of African-American gymnasts, our legs are slightly bold or are, you know, we, we, we aren't, we don't have that balletic straight up and down leg structure. Mm. Our legs are slightly, you know, curved. So when you're doing like a handstand skill, it, People have to understand, like the body line. You're gonna get like the 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 back side, and then you're gonna get like it almost looks like a lot of times our knees are bent when they're not, and that's something that people have to realize. Like that's not mm -hmm. it's it's just you know people's bodies like they they absolutely cannot help it, but their knees aren't bent. different. Yeah, Tiz also mentioned like at when she would um, practice if they had to do something where they were laying on their backs or they had to arch their backs or do something, you know, on their back that they would say, you are not doing it correctly. But she's like, I can't do it any further because of my booty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so, you know, that's not understood. And like you said, a lot of their skills um, look a little bit different because of the way they're shaped. Mm -hmm. So Tiki, you were mentioning something about a judge that happened. Oh yeah. One, I remember one of her coaches um, inquiring and about her score because, um, when she did her giants, like she took off because she wasn't straight up and down, like she, her, because she had, and it's not like Darion got a huge, but, but she still has one. So, you know, it's just like that. I, I knew then that that was going to be an issue. And I know like right now, one of the things that she focuses on, like when she's visualizing her routine, like she, she, she is anal about squeezing when she does stuff, because she doesn't want that to be an issue or she doesn't want that to be a deduction. But that's just, I mean, she can't help it. So, I mean, that's one of the other things that she has to tell herself when she's giving herself verbal cues. She's always telling herself to squeeze. Mm -hmm. What is that it, quote from the Beyonce song? I think we teach our girls to be thin, to make themselves smaller, to this, that, and then it's just like, again, like we were talking about earlier, there needs to be some sort of parody amongst the judging that includes the perspective of, you know, brown girls and, and black girls and that not everybody's going to be a nasty looking, real thin, Riley McCusker looking girl. It's just not going to happen. Because okay, well, since you went there, Addis, let's go there. So let's bust this conversation wide open, people. So everybody can't be certain gymnasts, right? But right now there is a... a, a a rumor going on about a certain school that had a um, 
certain gymnasts who had a certain outbreak or not outbreak, outburst, right, at the school. And um, other gymnasts, other people at the school wanted that particular gymnast to apologize. Oh, we're going here. Oh, yeah, we're going here. I never said the name of the school. I never said the name of the person. Now, watch how I'm doing this now. I'm, I'm skirting the issue. So how do we feel, though, that as people of color, right, if the same thing was to happen on the other foot, we would be forced to issue an apology. We would be forced to say something on Twitter, put out a tweet, say that our behavior was wrong, say that we had to go to rehab, say that we done found Jesus, say that we 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 done we done we done slap clapped our hands and slapped our feet two times and then begged the world for an apology. Whereas other people get to be like, you know what? Screw y'all, I'm just changing schools. And I'm going to another division one school and another successful school that I'm still gonna be on TV just as much as I was if I was at this one school. And how do you ladies feel as having girls who had to deal with these privileged ass people who get to come to these schools doing half the skills, half is good, but then get the accolades. How do you feel that your children have to literally do Olympic level gymnastics to get the same attention that these other people doing at who's doing like D9 gymnastics? I I honestly feel and I've always felt and Darion has felt like she had to do more than what was required for her. Um and I and I absolutely agree. I think if the tables were turned and if it was a black gymnast um that was accused of that, like I don't I don't think it I think it would have been a different outcome. I think more people would have been outraged and enraged. I think um more people would have believed that scenario versus, you know, what's going on now. And I I just it bothers me because it's like, why can't these girls be treated equal across the board? Like, why why do they have to worry about doing the skills, doing the work at college, and being black? Like, they 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 have so much that they have to worry about, and and it 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 it. it it makes me upset because I know what my child deals with. I know what I deal with as a parent. And I'm not going to be one of those people that are, that is going to go out there and tell you that, well, no, no, this doesn't happen because it does. We've experienced it. It's real. But people like to say that it's not real because they have not experienced it. People like to turn a blind eye to the situation or it's not as bad as it as it seems but it is because they don't walk a day in our shoes they don't know the conversations mm. that i've had to have with my daughter behind closed doors nobody knows how i have to call her 
and pray for her. Nobody knows that I have to call my pastor before every season, and this has been since J.O., and have her covered. Nobody knows mentally what these girls go through on a daily basis. And like I said, it's, it's the topic of discussion sometimes when it's trending, but for us, when it's no longer trending, we don't get to take off the color of our skin. We deal with this every single day and it's real for us. And because other people don't have to deal with that, it's like, it's no big deal. And you have very few people that try and understand, like I have some people that have reached out to me and they, they, they're like, what can we do to help? You know, they, they want to try and, you know, change. But I mean, you can't just say that. Don't just talk about it, be about it. Like I, I joined Brown Girls Do Gymnastics for a reason, not just to say that, um, I'm, no, I fight for these girls tooth and nail. I put my, as y'all see, I put myself on the front line recently. Wow. Now I didn't know it was going to do what it did, but it did. And I was there and I was ready to fight. And guess what? That wasn't even a situation that my daughter dealt with at that time. She has yeah. dealt with racism and stuff like that, but I'm just not in it for, for, for me. I, I am an advocate for everybody. And Desiree will tell you, like I, like I said, I didn't even know Desiree. But when the thing happened with Tia, oh, I was on board. And I didn't care what the re repercussions was because my daughter was in mid-season. And, and, and I stood up for her and her child. And I didn't care what anybody had to say because what happened was wrong. It was embarrassing. And I wasn't just going to sit back and allow that to happen to anybody. Yeah, no, this is exactly why we've done it to bring us to gymnastics. Mm -hmm. Because, like, Michaela and I, we're the same exact way. And I mean, we've mm -hmm. we felt pushback. I mean, we we know the pushback. And the thing is, like, regardless of what it said, regardless of how people may feel, we're here and we will stay here and we will continue to fight this fight. Because if we don't fight this fight and we don't fight for our posterity, then who's going to do it? Absolutely. And we're speaking about being on the front lines. Um, I would like both of you guys to speak on maybe there are other parents or other gymnasts who are on teams, elite and college, who want to say something, but who don't want to necessarily, you know, have their children, male or female children, because I'm sure black male gymnasts experienced is that same thing it's just that their sport isn't as popular as the women's side so you know they don't get talked about as much but how then do the parents navigate with wanting to speak out but without having their child be bullied and the repercussions behind the things that may happen to their children all i'm gonna say is i wish somebody would try and bully mine I don't worry about that because let me tell you something. Anybody that knows me, play with it if you want to because I'm coming about mine every single time. I don't care who it is, line it up because I don't play no games when it comes to Darion Goburn. I see people out there on Twitter saying, oh, well, why did these parents have to get involved? Because she mine. And if something happened to her when she's 50, she knows she called me, I'm coming, period. period. So they I ain't going to bother mine. Ticket. 
because they know how her mama coming but not only that darian is the same as me she will stand up for herself darian will talk to the coaches she she goes to bat for herself because i taught her that she has had to be on teams at six years old with high school girls so she had to grow up fast so she has a different mentality darian will take no trash from nobody and she'll stand up for herself but about mine i'm coming every time <laughs> That's right. Can you guys hear me now? Yeah, we can hear you. And I feel like you, you, I mean, this, this, this question is, is, is for you. Like you yes. very publicly had to deal with a certain coach at a, yes. well, I mean, can we say it? Should we just say it? I mean, yeah. You, you... So Dana Fuckworth, I mean, Dana Duckworth very publicly <laughs> um, had a falling out with you because, well, you know what? I'm going to just talk about it. Go ahead. So, because I, I have feelings about it. Okay, I'm gonna go back to the previous question, and um, my answer is gonna be that I, you know, I feel like our girls are held to a different standard, and and that's you know to me across the board in any sport, and so you know we always have to tell our children, and it's unfortunate that they have to watch what they're doing, they have to be mindful that they can't do some of the things that other people do, and you know consistently, just historically we've had to do that, and that's really un unfortunate. So the, in the situation you were talking about. I 100% feel like if it was a, a African American child in mm -hmm. any sport, unless mm -hmm. it's a high uh, uh, a sport that generates a lot of money, they would definitely be held to a different standard. Mm -hmm. But going back to what we are talking about now, so like Tiki is very very you know she is she's gonna get it done. I've been I was a little bit different because I was all a little bit laid back but always present. So that's mm -hmm. different. Um, whenever my daughter did gymnastics before she went to college, I was present. So I sat there, I watched, I always advocated for my daughter. So the what what the difference is is I don't speak up until I have to. And then when I speak up, they're like, oh, the angry black, you know, yeah. person. Because yeah. you're not gonna mistreat my child. And that that's what we're gonna do. And so at the situation that Tia had at the University of Alabama when I had to interject myself into the situation is when we had issues because at that point I'm like, no, this is what we're not going to do. And the, the problem that I had is Tia told me her side, which I, I don't see where she would make up anything. And, and, you know, the, the big issue that I had is when the coach said, what is this the back of the bus? And they thought that, that was a joke. I didn't think that was a joke. That's not funny. I don't understand how a coach can have the audacity, um, audacity to even say that they thought that was a joke because at this point you're old enough to understand what jokes are and that's pretty much far from something that should be even said as a joke. And, and then the other part of it is when we came out publicly because we did, Tia asked me, could she do it? And I told her, well, if you do it, I'm 100% behind you because there needs to be awareness. And I knew it was going to be very hard mentally Emotionally, that was a hard thing to do. But what I will say is that there are parents who do not feel the that they have um, empowerment to speak up. It's not these girls. It's the parents. And Absolutely. as a parent, I'm going to advocate. I'm going to stand behind. And I'm going to always be there for my child. She's done things that she she shouldn't have done. And I've and I've corrected her in that in those situations. But when it's things that I know that's right, that I'm standing behind her. And so mm -hmm. I think the difference is that you have parents, you have gymnasts, 
that are scared to speak up to say mm -hmm. anything because of the ramifications. So what how do we change that dynamic? Is that yeah, we need to we, we need to allow these people to be empowered, but the coaches have a lot of power. They have a lot of power mm -hmm. over not only these gymnasts, but also over these parents. And mm -hmm. um, I just think that that needs to change. Like, I don't know mm -hmm. how we can make that, you know, change, but it needs to change. It shouldn't be that parents are scared to say anything because their girls might not make lineup. Girls are, are scared to, to speak up and say things because they're not going to make lineup. And it shouldn't be where you, if you do speak up, that you, you get pulled from lineup or you get treated mm -hmm. differently. It should not be that. And the other big thing for me that we probably need to at some point speak on is we, they need to look into um, girls who are allowed to do gymnastics, allowed to do things that are incorrect, who don't get, you know, the um, mm -hmm. corrections because mm -hmm. their parents have a lot of money and they can feed into these gymnastics programs and they can give into the, the, um, to the booster clubs. That, yeah. That's an issue. That's a big issue. These, the, a lot of these girls, they're on these teams because their parents can give money to the booster clubs. So when you talk about the, there's a big dynamic as to what's going on with, with the politics of gymnastics and people aren't empowered one, because they, they are scared to talk up. And then two, if you're like me, I'm a single mother, which shouldn't, shouldn't, shouldn't have not have, should not have been in a discussion or a topic of conversation. I wanted to ask you about that. However, I, I am. And so I might not have the resources to feed into the programs like somebody else, which sometimes gives my daughter the disadvantage. And it should not Correct. be that. It should be about her gymnastics and how good she is as an athlete. I wanted to ask you about that because there was a very public you know, situation where she, uh, Dana Duckworth brought that up to you and, and basically threw it in your face. And I have feelings about that, very strong feelings. And I just, let me calm myself down. So do I. <laughs> And they're coming I, back. Cause, I just and, and, don't and, understand, so, like, why that even, like, I want to apologize to you on her. Be, like, how would she even, I mean, what in the seven Caucasian hells led her to even bring that up to you? Well, see, like, and, and, and that's the thing. I think the coaches have, they feel like they have, um, they are empowered to be, to be able to say <laughs> Say. And I think the, the issue is that a lot of the parents allow it to happen. Um, yeah. Give you guys examples. I've had an example at, at that university where uh, the girls were going to do something. And, you know, Tia and I are very close. She tells me a lot. And so she's going to tell me before she, before she tells anybody else because I'm her mother, which is how it should be. But so the girls were going to go somewhere. They decided, you know, um, where they were going to go. They had guys who were going to go with them. The guys backed out. And so my daughter called and said, I don't feel comfortable going because we don't have guys going with us. And mm -hmm. I called one of the parents thinking that, you know, their daughter, they knew the information, you know, as well. And the parent said, oh, don't say anything to my daughter. I'm going to have to um, have the coach tell her that she shouldn't go. And I was like, we are a little bit different because that's my daughter. If she's not going to go, it's going to come from her mother and not from her coach. So these parents are very, very afraid and not empowered to, to, to me, parent their children. Um, and so I, I, you know, I just think it's just a little bit different dynamic in terms of how I look at the coach, because I look at the coach as Tia's coach to coach her in gymnastics. 
I don't look at the coaches as Absolutely. a person to tell you what to do in terms of her life. And so, you know, we, we don't necessarily have to share everything about our lives with her, but, you know, I want to have that relationship. So when she made that comment to me about, well, where's her father? I'm like, there's a lot of fathers that were there at, at sporting events who aren't always the best fathers, but that's just because Tia's dad wasn't there doesn't mean it gives her the right, nor does it gives her the ability to bring that up. Because Tia's, Tia's life is just as good as anybody else's if, if her mother's there to lead her. And she had family Absolutely. members there. Like, and, and, and here's the biggest thing is that, like, my brother's a collegiate coach at a high division mm -hmm. one school. My family, you know, are like her dad played football in college. Like, we aren't first generation college students, even though, um, or college family, even though it's nothing wrong with that. But she like approached me as if we were some like subpar people because her dad, you know, didn't come to the meets or wasn't in her life. And I don't even understand what that had to do with anything. And why did she even bring that up in a conversation to me? And it's, so, it's, so I have a follow-up question. Race follow it's the racism. It's it's uh, it's. Do you guys feel like because um, I'm a little bit older? I don't know how old everybody is. But I'm 40 years old. I've been following this sport. early hundreds. Yes, I have a love for this sport that goes back so far. Like, so I clearly remember like gymnast like Dominique Dawes, right? And how her parents kind of, I'm not talking badly about Dominique's parents, this is a different generation, but how their parents kind of like gave her to Kelly Hill and was like, here you go, Kelly, do what you will. Whereas other, the white parents or whatever, they would move across country with their daughters and they still would be involved in their daughter's lives. Do you guys feel like sometimes the coaches, when they find a very talented little black girl, they kind of try to become that girl's parents and kind of push the parents to the side? Because I remember it was a big issue with Gabby when it was, it was her mom versus the coaches and the coaches wanted her mom to like, Stay the fuck out of her gymnastics business, and her mom was like, "No." And if and I'm moving and I'm moving her away from y'all asses from trying to take her away from me. Like, do you guys feel like that's something that a lot of coaches do to love black girls? Like, try to take the gymnast away from the parents, so the parents really are dumb, not dumb, naive to the sport, naive to what's really going on to the in the behind the scenes. I think I think once they get to college, and I don't think that just happens with the black gymnasts. I think that happens with gymnasts across the board because I remember um, the first, I think when we went to parent orientation um, before Darion moved on campus, like one of the things that was told to us was just like, you know, and it wasn't told to us by her, her coaches. This was just something, somebody else that had um, a form. They're just like, once they get here, like they're, they're adults they're grown up so it, it was almost like a don't ask anything that's going on or kind of like they're ours now but i had to make it very clear to them she was and is my daughter first i don't mm -hmm. care what your job is your job is to coach her or your job is to be her instructor or your job is to be her mentor my job is to be her parent. And I made that clear from the beginning. So 
I didn't really have that issue because Dariana and I are close. Now she don't tell me a lot of stuff that goes on. Most of the stuff that I know that goes on with her team, I hear it from other people because like I'm a mother figure to pretty much all of the girls. I have parents that call me and they're like, well, I'm glad you hear from my daughter because I don't, or they'll have me, they'll call me and say, hey, can you have this conversation with my daughter or can you send my daughter an encouraging message? Cause I do that. Like I, I send messages and little love notes to all of the girls before they compete. Most people don't know that cause I don't, I don't tell them that, but yeah, yeah, I made that very clear. I'm her, I'm her parent first and foremost. You do what you do. I'm do what I do. Cause when she's done with those four years there, she's still my child. I just, there's such, there's such strength in a mother's love that, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things that is so unique in this world that oftentimes people forget how strong it is. And so people just feel that like it can be just discarded. Like it's like, like, oh, your mom needs to calm down. It's like, no, that's my mom. And if, you know, God forbid something happens to my mom or someone comes to my mom, like some sort of way, because mm-hmm. I am the first, I mean, we fight a lot, but like, I'm the first one that's like, excuse you? Mm-hmm. What did you say to my mom? I don't care what it is. Like you, you, you make fun of her accent. Like I, I'm all up in your booty and it's, and it's not mm-hmm. in a good way. Like it's just, it's not. And I feel like, I feel that sort of like, kind of like, like a mother bear or like, like mother, like lioness passion comes from you guys and it's it's so refreshing and encouraging to hear that because people are really out there trying these these girls and trying to just micro aggression them and trying to just like mm-hmm. make them falter at any and, and just catch them slipping basically is what i'm trying to say and it's not okay i mean right not okay whatsoever now the next the next moving on the next thing I want to I want to ask you ladies is a lot of the top name schools, a lot of the big schools are in the are in the South, are like mm. Alabama, Georgia, Florida, um, Oklahoma. Like and then you don't. Why did I just think like the nation started like lining up the? <laughs> I did. I was like, wait, hold on. You're right. Yeah. And and. and if we're going to be honest, a lot of the girls come from Texas. A lot of the girls come from um, Southern states. Do you guys feel like that's also a part of it, that the Southern culture has infiltrated itself into the sport of gymnastics? Well, see, I, I, I read it. Like, she actually brought this up in an interview. And she said, like, well, go ahead. I'm not going to speak for her because of the force, you know. Go ahead, Desiree. Did we lose her again? <laughs> no. Here. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. Okay. <laughs> cool. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're actually we're actually from North Carolina, so we're from you know the South. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, growing up, my children have definitely had the uh, Southern experiences, and we've had those conversations. Um, you know, and, and unfortunately, uh, with where we have lived in, in our neighborhoods, they've been to like predominantly white, you know, high schools and they've been in predominantly white situations and the marching bands and stuff like that. And in the events that they've been in, um, 
So, I mean, it, it wasn't uncommon for Tia, but I don't think that she understood the dynamics of it initially. And, and it really didn't ring true to her a lot in terms of gymnastics until she went to the University of Alabama mm-hmm. um, and that experience. I mean, she's had, you know, experiences based on where we live um, and the racial stuff we had, we've had to have conversations and all that's happened, but she didn't really have a lot of that until we actually um, experiences the, the incidences at, at Alabama. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure um, how it, you know, plays into gymnastics, but I know at Ball State, she didn't have any problems with the, the racism or any of the issues. And so, you know, that, that could be something that it could be true. I'm not a hundred percent sure about it. Yeah. I, I remember going to Darion's official visit mm-hmm. and I was walking up the stairs because we went to the football game and I was like, Lord, I am sending my baby to Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I had to thought that through, right? And I was like, oh, Lord. But let me tell you something. Um, the fans, the students, like it wasn't until like, and she, she, had, she was like in 10th, 12th grade, but walking through the crowd and everybody high-fiving us and, you know, they, they were amazing. So, you know, that made me feel better. But I remember J.O. days when we, um, when we were going to, to like regionals and stuff twice. And I, I don't know if y'all, were you Region 8, Desiree? We were. We were Region okay, 8 as well. So, <laughs> so I remember going to regionals twice, y'all. And it was in Tupelo, Mississippi. Ooh. Y'all listen. I packed food because the only thing I could think of was Mississippi burning, right? <laughs> so... I packed food. We drove late night because I didn't even want to be there at nighttime. Went straight to the hotel and time enough for her to go to sleep, get up, eat, go compete. And I had food packed because we, we didn't even stop for food until we get to the next state. Okay? Because I was just not, I just wasn't with it. But this, this is what made me feel like that. This, and and this, this was the craziest thing. I remember the, the the podium. I remember when we walked into, um, I think they had a dinner or something, but I remember like where they had awards and on the tables, they had these mason jars and the decorations in most places when you go to regionals and nationals, they got like all these flowers and you know, it's beautiful. Y'all, these people had cotton. Oh no. Listen. They had mason jars on the table full of cotton, like the decorations around cotton. And I was like, who thought this was a good idea? Because I know y'all knew it was going to be some of us here. Like, that was not okay to me. Not at all. And, and, and like, I, I still remember, like, I was traumatized. And if there would have been regionals there again, we would have probably skipped out on regionals that year. Because, you know, cotton, y'all, this, we, we was already in the 2000s. Cotton, for real? That's I live in West Texas, and, where the largest the, producer of cotton, so I, 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 I can understand. I know the visual very well. Sorry, just and, coming to interrupt you. Oh no, and I was going to say, um, you know, and as we kind of chuck, you know, like chuckle about this, it's honestly really sad because um, the parent, you know, when we go into those kind of meets, like how you said you had to prepare and 
you didn't want to stop. I mean, it's sad because we do think through those things. We might not, you know, make our kids aware of that, but those are things that we have to be mindful of. And and mm-hmm. other, you know, as an African-American person, we have to be mindful of that. And other people don't have to think about that. And those are the things that we have to talk to our kids about where, yep. you know, non-African-American people, they have, there's not even a topic of conversation. So while we're preparing our kids to go to a meet where they may see cotton, where they may see mason jars, and they're wondering, like, why why is this out? They're, that's something that actually also... Um, can get into their psyche in terms mm-hmm. of their um, gymnastics, whereas other people don't have to be aware of that. So it's really sad. I mean, it's it's just, it's unfortunate. Um, and like you said, Tiki, as well, when Tia was at Alabama, you know, they get so much support. The The fans are, you know, awesome. They're dynamic. Um, but what you have to understand is that our kids are in a bubble. So because they're looked mm-hmm. at as these big athletes. But outside of that mm-hmm. bubble, when you go to those universities, a lot of the kids have a lot of major racism and racist mm-hmm. problems. Um, you know, the Alabama has, you know, an article I'm not sure if you guys are aware of where there's, um, I guess they have parties where, you know, black kids can't go to the parties. So yep. there's a lot of things going on at these southern schools that our kids might not get impacted by because they're they're athletes and they're considered stars. And, you know, everybody, you know, look at them differently where a normal African-American kid at that school is having a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. So it's really sad. It really is. So um, we've been on for an hour. I don't know how much longer you guys have with us, but I really want to get into this conversation um, before you know people have to go. So over the last two years, well, over the last four years, um, a lot of it, NCAA schools have implemented a pride meet um, in their school system throughout the year, right? And they do these pride meets and they're big and they're um, get lots of sponsorships and get TV deals for these pride meets or whatever. But UCLA, I think it's the only school, it might be one other school, I can't remember, have started to implement this Black Excellence stuff right and they get the girls and they put the the black power fist on their leos and they and they send them out and that's the competition where magically they find all these black girls that we never seen from and they throw them out on these competitions right so when you see the um pride meet and how those things are handled and how they are so opening and so welcoming of all the lgbtq students or whatever and then the black excellent meets where it just seems very performative and, and cost and the video is nowhere to be found just want to say that how does that make you feel when you when like we're not saying like we want the gays but you know pride meets to go away but you see one how they handle one um group of people and how open and acceptance it, it, it feels, and then the other group of people, how performance it, it feels. Like, how does that make you guys feel? Those damn gays. <laughs> I, I, this, this, this is my, my take on that. Um, I've been with brown girls for, probably about five 
six years now. Um, from the beginning, Darren wanted to do, um, she wanted to start a program at an HBCU. Mm-hmm. So this is something that has been discussed on certain platforms, you know, in Facebook groups and um, people, I guess because it was trending or whatever, people say that they want to see that happen. And there were certain people that were involved, you know, later on that we know could have made that happen. Mm -hmm. But I sat back and I watched maybe four or five new programs start up, none of which were at HBCUs, but everybody was so on board with it happening. And I I didn't understand that. I remember I told Darren, I was just like, everybody says that they're on board. Everybody says that they want that to happen, but nobody's really pushing for it like us and i think that's one of the things that bothers me because nobody can say that there's not money out there to start a program because like i said i've seen three four five of them start and she had she birthed this idea four five six years ago when i first met her everybody knew about this so at what point does that committee and that board reach out to her and say, hey, we see what you're trying to do. What can we do to help? We have these funds available. We're ready. I don't see none of that. But they will talk about what they don't have because I've heard, you know, well, we just don't have the money, but y'all, but y'all started four, five, six programs. So you do have the money. It's just, you just want to decide where you want to put the money and nobody's trying to put it there. And, and I'm going to go on the opposite spectrum of that um, answer. Um, I think it's awesome. If you want to bring awareness of black lives and you want to promote black lives matter. However, (laughs) it's not, it's not a great um, situation to be in when you promote it, but then you don't stand behind it. So it's easy to do it in times of convenience when there's a situation that happens and you put a video out. That's awesome. But when there are situations that happen and and I'm just I'm going to be personal with this with my daughter. When that situation happened, if you're about Black Lives Matter and you have a coach who says a racist uh, comment, then you need to handle that coach. Then that 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 demonstrates to us that you are about Black Lives Matter Mm -hmm. and that you are about you are about the. advocacy of black lives and that you will stand up to racism that you will not allow that to happen in your program but when you show when you have a a meet and you say black lives matter and you allow girls to say the n-word you allow girls to get away with saying the n-word you allow them to not be accountable for what they're saying then those are only words so to me it's Mm -hmm. like don't have the words be be about it like you said kiki be about it if you want to do something stand up for it and do the right thing but don't just advocate for it and not really stand by it and that's why i have right. a problem with it but i think it's awesome if you're going to be promoting black lives matter if you're going to wear the, the leos if you're going to wear the the tattoos on your back if you're going to put your fist up if you're going to have your girls you know putting out videos that's great but then stand behind it 
and and really be about that that um initiative so don't just have the words do the actions and that's where i have a problem because i don't see where a lot of um programs are actually standing behind what they're they're um advocating florida let me tell y'all something i with 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 florida when those girls stick together when they have those fists on their back i i believe because because i watched them darian called me today she said it's their unity for me she said mm -hmm. it's their energy for me she said the fact that they love each other and want what's best for that team she said she felt it and i seen i saw so many people on twitter that like was saying so many negative things to like savannah shane here because she knelt mm. that's my queen I, uh, hey, listen i love her i she she was gonna go to auburn with darian and then she went to florida but listen i i met her mother i met savannah they're amazing people and savannah is everything that she puts out there that she is when that baby says black lives matter or anything else it. that's from her heart that is who she is and it's not just a show for her and so for people to go out there and be that negative or some of the comments that i read today Oof. i was just like are you serious and you but know the other thing whatever I, but but i believe everything that florida when they say that they they are inclusive they want diversity and inclusion they mean that they show that and i could all i would say is um coming up lsu baby please don't sit up here with and try to do no black excellence meet this year because does it where you say you want to say something no, I was gonna. I was just gonna piggyback on what Tiki was saying, and then I saw a lot of backlash about their black Leos, and I thought the black Leos were awesome. Oh, I lovely, Sylvia Plath, Sylvia P. They were gorgeous. Oh, Sylvia P. They were very gorgeous. Very good designs. I like Sylvia P. Well, there was even backlash on the on the Gemtonet because um, Utah's Leo from um, I think it was, yeah Utah's Leo from last night. How they had the black girls actually have the black. I love that. The people was like, well, Utah's colors aren't black. Why do they have black on their Leos? And it just was so it's like what a concept. Like what like message actually fits your skin tone. What a concept. Right. So let's let's get into that. That's the topic okay. that I yes. want to talk about. Because <laughs> as you guys know, my daughter, so when you talk about Tiki African American, my daughter's actually part, you know, she's African American truly. Her um, mm. grandfather's from um, the Congo. So my daughter has oh. dark, beautiful... Yeah, she has dark, beautiful skin. But she's always had issues yes, with these does. Leos. They put these, these this mesh that doesn't match her skin. Mm -hmm. um, they had... They've always, up until, you know, college, of course, had the, the underwear, the bra, the undergarments that mm -hmm. did not match her skin. And I just... You know, it's just always bothered me that she couldn't get a Leo where the, that it was similar to her skin tone. And that's something that I think people just aren't aware of holistically is that this is this is not one race of people who are doing this sport. It's a, it's a myriad of colors. We come in different colors, different shapes, different forms. And so, like, she's never had the option before, you know, recently, I'm, I'm sure a lot of the African-American girls just didn't have the option to wear Leos that look like their skin tone. And that's really, really sad. And we're in 2000s. You know, we're in the 2000s, like she's always had this, the color that just looked really pale. 
And my daughter, daughter's a mm. really chocolate, beautiful girl. So she needed something yes, that was similar to her skin tone. That, and we had we had the issue with Darion. And I think I got um I got the dark brown um from Brown Girls Do Gymnastics, but Darion eventually I told her, I said, ask your coach, you know, about something different. And when she went to her, she gave her something. And I think she said something along the lines of, you know, all you had to do was ask. Mm -hmm. Why does she have to ask? If you right. know that these items are available, you know you have brown girls on your team, they shouldn't have to ask. Mm -hmm. It should just be made readily available to them, just as the other stuff is made readily available to the other athletes. They don't like, ask. Take this into consideration too, right. that part. They don't have to ask, because it's, it's the right. norm, right. And the same with, oh my God, my dog is, the same with the tape, right? The same thing with the tape. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. I know. Do you um, want to touch on that? And they'll, get, they'll get deductions for the tape if it doesn't match their skin tone, but never have the, the tape that match their actual skin. Yeah. <laughs> it's just and, not. And, and, just... and while, we're talk, while we're talking about this tape, because I know there's a, there's, um, there's a company out there right now that, um, that has tape. Um, that's supposed to match us. Um, and I think it's a great idea. Um, I kind of read the bio um, and I think she competed in college or something. And she, she mentioned something about, um, she realized during the George Floyd thing that people of color didn't have, you know, the same tape as her. And so she created this line, um, of tape and that sounds beautiful but if you were a collegiate athlete and you had even if you didn't have brown girls on your team you've seen brown girls out there it didn't occur to you until george floyd died that we had a different color skin and that there was stuff out there that needed to be made for brown girls mm -hmm. like i was trying to de de decide did i think that that was real or was that just a marketing tool because and like then, I, it, I just and then it's just like how people get to blindly like they they're it they get to use their ignorance as an excuse for their racism because they're like oh i didn't know it was going on mm -hmm. what do you mean you didn't know it was going on you have black teammates don't you see their tape don't match their skin like and that just never like oh, okay like and, and it's they just don't that, see color correct Guess like, what? I want you. I want you to see my color. I'm not absolutely. one of those people that's going to walk around and tell you I don't want you to see color. I want you to see that I'm different, a different skin tone as you. I want you to act accordingly. I don't want you to treat me any different. I want you to know that we bleed the same, but I want you to respect me just like I respect you. But don't give me the whole BS line about I don't see color because you do. It's like how do you drive you, then? You, you you can't you can't right you can't help. But see color. But see color. Correct. Yeah. Like, how do you drive? How do you see the red light? And like you obviously you, you see color. Because like that's not, my son is just out there barking up a storm. It's like it just it's it's annoying because it's like you only don't see color when it benefits you. Correct. So so yeah, I'm gonna say that they actually do see color. I think that's just a cliche that they use the, to um, mm -hmm. be able to um, I guess not address issues. 
And I'm going to give you guys um, a situation. I know um, one of the situations that Tia talked about when she was um, like before they started season, I guess she was being shown the, the acclaimed African-American girls on the wall. Mm-hmm. And um, they, she was, they were pointing out, well, the coach was pointing out the girls and one of the girls, she came to her who was African-American and she said, but she's not really black. She wasn't really raised black. And I'm my thing is, if you don't see color, then you just use the word, the term black and she wasn't really raised black. What does that mean? Because oh, she's wow. a black, she's a black girl. Her- mm-hmm. Oh, wow. It's black. So I didn't, and, and that left Tia, when we talk about the microaggressions, that left Tia in a state of, she's never heard about this. And none of exactly what you're talking about because I read, I read the article. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I had a question about that too because because I I needed answers on that part. I was like, what, what do you mean? What does being raised black mean? Like I I was so I was I had no words. And I was just like, did she really say that? Like and felt like it was okay? Like did she think that through? I couldn't understand that. It's just. It just when I read that it was one of those like oh so we're really like being upfront with like the disregard for someone else's background the the, the just the erasure of someone's like background or what or the experience it's like oh just because you don't this is like know their background it's just gonna be like oh well they're not really black what, what does that mean right right so moving forward. While we put this out, this and everybody's talking about it. What's next? Like, how do we then come to a place where we're happy? Like, you know, it's we don't feel like it's performative. Like, we feel like there's actual changes, there's actual measures being implemented to to save the next generation of people. And to follow up that, just you know, what would you each say to? either little girls who want to be in this sport or to their parents like what how do you reconcile this like is there any hope for them or is it one of those like are you gonna have to just like you know strap in like what is how do we reconcile this entire issue which i mean it, we can't you know but how do we begin to like it at least um we, we're trying to work on the plan but you know what, for when, when it comes to something like that, I just feel like people have to want to change. Like you gotta want to change for real and not just not just talk about it. Like don't don't if you if you can't talk about this amongst your peers and your allies in a public space then then that lets me know kind of like you i don't know if you really mean what you say when you say it to me you know what i mean because we can have conversations behind closed doors all day long um but you know it it, it's it's gotta start in the homes it starts with these parents because a lot of times that's where they learn this from it's learned at home it's learned behavior like i just honestly don't think people are just born racist i think it's taught 
I think is bred. Um, and so we, we, we got to dismantle that. And it's got to start in the homes. You know, my, my children accept everybody for who they are. Um, and these parents got to start doing something different because they're doing their children a disservice and an injustice, you know, teaching them this and, you know, sending them out there in the world. Because, I mean, somebody's going to say the wrong thing to the wrong person when they're not in a safe space and it's going to be a problem. You know what I'm saying? It's not always going to be somebody there to save them when they, you know, use the wrong word or, you know, to to certain people. So it's got to start in the home. I remember Darion's coach, Jeff, said to me one day, um, he said, Tiki, he said, Darion came here with something different. He was like, he was like, she came here with stuff that we can't teach. And we know she learned that at home. That was her upbringing. So there's a lot of things that these coaches have to deal with you know, that when it came to my child, he didn't have to deal with that. And I think that's sad because a lot of this stuff, people blame the coaches for. I can't say it's the coach's fault because in my opinion, these coaches' jobs are to coach. These coaches' jobs are not to teach you how to be a young lady. These coaches' jobs are not to teach you how to not be racist, you know, and this, that, and the other. Now, when these things arise on your team, I feel like it's their job to try and find a solution. But like they have enough on their plate with coaching. And so for me, it has to start at home. Or we got to get some people that's really, like I said, that really want to be about it and not talk about it. Let's make something happen. Put your money where your mouth is. Don't just say you want change. Let's do it. And the funny thing about that is, like, it, it seems like, you know, people of color often talk about generational traumas. It's like, well, excuse me. It seems like the racism that's been passed on down by your ancestors is a generational trauma. And so mm-hmm. we all have to break these wheels and these cycles because racism exists in Latin, in the Latin community. It exists in, in all sorts of societies, and it, it, it does. I've had to have my mom. I've had to have very poignant conversations with her about racism. And it's like, sometimes it's like talking to a wall and I'm glad that my brother is there next to me and we get to tell like, well, no mom, so many things that you've like grown up with are very racist and they need to change. And so you are very right when, when you say it starts in the home and it's, it takes having these difficult conversations, having these uncomfortable yes. conversations. And oftentimes yes. It's it's it, you're gonna f- have fallouts with your friends, family, whatever, coworkers. Mm-hmm. But as long as you keep on moving this needle, that's oh, I'm about to ask her. I'm about to ask her. It, oh, oh yeah, <laughs> when Desiree gets back, yes, off, we're gonna let her um, ask yes. her question. Yes, she knows. <laughs> there you go. Go ahead, yeah. Desiree. Sorry. Yeah. So for me, um, I feel like, um, I mean, it's, it's a big, this is a big issue. So I don't know how, you know, easy it is to make change, but you know, what I would say is it takes advocacy and awareness. Um, Mm -hmm. and so to me having these platforms, um, to have these discussions, they're great, but you have to have people who are willing to have the discussions, but not only have them, but then walk away, not um, upset, but willing to make a change. Because a lot of right. times I feel like what happens is when you bring these things to the awareness of people or issues. Because, you know, a lot of times things can be intentional or unintentional. 
But when you tell somebody that they've said something and they may have done it unintentionally, they just mm -hmm. get very, you know, um, upset. And instead yeah. of getting upset about things, if people would be willing to listen and understand and make changes, I think that will imp imp um, impact uh, a lot of these issues. And um, and like you said, Tiki, I think it does start at home, but also the um, administration, the coaches are head of their programs. And so, mm -hmm. you know, they have to put a stop to anything that happens in their programs that are mm -hmm. um, racist, that are not against their principles, that go against their, um, the, the standards, and um, they want to hold, you know, the athletes to a standard, then you should do that across the board. And that should come into play when it has anything Agreed. to do with racism or anything that's incorrect. I mean, you shouldn't, you, your girl should not be allowed to say the N-word. Your girl should not be allowed to say you people. Your girl should not be allowed to, your coaches, your staff, Even if it's in the song, not, even if it's in the song. Even if it's in a song, and that's what they don't, you know, that's what a lot of people don't understand. They people think about, shouldn't hey, have the hair. right to have I've opinions had... on how other people wear their hair. Correct. I've had parents say to me, when when that situation occurred with um with Tia, I had parents who said, "Well, they use it in a song," and I'm like, "It doesn't matter." Like when I was when I listened to a song when I was a young adult and I was around my mother, if there was a curse word, I would miss that word. If there's an N word, I would think you would miss that word because you know what that word means. And so mm -hmm. they give excuses for people to be able to do certain things when you need to say no. You're right. That's incorrect. And let me and let me make sure that I let people know that that's incorrect, but instead they make excuses. And to me, you have to be willing to have these conversations and say, you're right. If that hurt, if that, if that's hurtful, if that's something that is racist or a racist thing, then you're right, let's change it. But a lot of times, and um, what I've seen, especially from that situation that Tia went through, is that with her bringing up, you know, I feel like this is racist, uh, I mean, a racial issue, they mm -hmm. they make it seem as if you're saying they're racist, and that yeah. like oh mm -hmm. I'm I'm not racist you know I'm I'm you know religious and I'm this and I'm that and I'm a great person and you could be religious and a great person all of that and still have ideologies and biases and um and you can also have microaggressions that you're not aware that you had and so when people bring these things to your attention what to me means that you are a good person is that you listen to them and try to change. And that's right. the problem, that people are not willing to understand and make changes. And that goes from the gymnasts, that goes to the coaches, and that goes to the administration. And to me, that's where, you know, change will come when people are willing to have these tough conversations and right. change instead of being upset and trying to find a way to, you know, um, out a girl out of the program or try to find a way to hush it under the rug because you're a big D1 school with this big name instead of face it and change and change. You know what? I think a program will look a lot better as a program if they're willing yes, to face things and, and make a change and actually stand behind what they're saying in terms of the initiative they're going, um, that they're, you know, supporting than to try to get an attorney and, and quiet people up, telling parents to be quiet, telling girls not to talk about it. That would mean more to me in coming out with a unity unity videos where you're not unifying everybody. You're just unifying some people. I mean, that's going against what you're standing for. And so to me, it's just it's a, a bigger thing. And I think it's it starts, you know, holistically um, with your teaching, with your programs, with your standards, with everything. So it, it's just a big thing. And I think these forums 
are great ways to start the conversation so that we can make a change. So I want to make a surprise for both of you. Um, Klaus, can you please give me a second? So um, for the rest of this month, for the rest of this month, we are gonna all the money we make from these streams, we're gonna donate them directly to Brangos Do Gymnastics. Oh wow! So whatever we make oh, this, this month, it will go straight to Brangos Do Gymnastics because we do put our money where our mouth is. That's awesome. Appreciate that. And you know, we're coming up to the hour and thirty minute mark. We've been talking ourselves off. I, I just would like to, to to open this open invitation whenever you feel like coming back on and talking about this because there's other things I want to talk about like for example how do we feel about some of the Asian American gymnasts not doing the big tricks but being real flexible and getting the same scholarships that us black gymnasts have to do and the girls have to do double layouts and some of these other girls they just have to do a double twist and be real flexible and they get the exact same scholarships so that's something else I would like to talk about in the future. But I think we have let our audience in on a lot of information. I would love for you both to have any closing thoughts, any things that you uh, would like for us to conversations in in, in on the internet that the next time we have another one of these forums, we can just jump back into the conversation. Well, I'm just going to start. I did not um, know about Brown Girls Vision Gymnastics. Um, I don't know why T and I didn't know about it. <laughs> we didn't know about it. And we participated in the conferences last year. And what I will say is that I am an advocate at this point. Um, I feel like it's very important for Brown Girls to have um, the opportunity to go to any school that they would like to, including the HBCU. Um, and I think it's very important also because They'll have the representation. They'll have people that look like them. It will be easier for them to, um, I mean, you know, make decisions about college. Because a lot of us want to go to um, schools where we're represented. And it's unfortunate that, you know, African-American girls don't have that option. And um, mm -hmm. so I am, you know, wanting to advocate for that um, that program. I'm all in now. I'm glad that we, you know, we know about it. And, um, you know, I, I think you guys all know that T is at, now at the um, North Carolina Central University. And yeah. um, I'm just putting it out there that I, I want to challenge every HBCU at this point to be the first HBCU with gymnastics. It's very important that our girls have somewhere to go where they can um, be represented. And I just feel like if we get a program and these Ooh. girls are able to go, we are going to just tear it up. And, and I'm just wanting, so that my thing, my big thing is my last statement is let's please just push to do as much as we can to give these, you know, our girls the opportunity to go to these schools Correct. and to have that option. So I am, um, I'm just all in and I'm hoping to do as much as I can to help with the program. And we are here for you guys, no matter what. I mean, so is Klaus, oh, apparently. So is Klaus. <laughs> but like, if you guys- Go ahead, hold on, Addict, hold on, go ahead. <laughs> Okay, so I, I feel the exact same way as Desiree because it's like our girls have to decide whether they want to do gymnastics or whether they want to do gymnastics at an HBCU. And I don't think so many people took into account or maybe people just didn't know that there was not gymnastics at any HBCU. And it's time. Representation matters. You know, it, it's, it, it's, it's more about having a safe space. It's more about feeling comfortable 
Um, and and I, 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 I can't wait until the day that it happens. Mm-hmm. I really can't because it, 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 it's going to be amazing. It's going to be life changing. You know, history is going to be made. And I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that day also. And I mean, now we will always be here for you guys. I mean, I can see you guys, family, even just basically conversations we had right now. Like, there is such love from us to you guys, and there will always be that support. And Klaus, he, um, him too, apparently. <laughs> and so I want you guys to know that whenever you need to talk to somebody, whenever you need to to the winds or whatever, we're here for you guys. We will always call you guys. I think is that you guys don't have with me, you guys don't have to always be on the front line. I don't mind being on the front lines. If you guys want something to tell me something, and you guys don't necessarily want to be on the front line behind the issue. Oh, she, she'll do it. She'll do it. She'll do the I dirty work. No issue. At, no issue. Look, we appreciate it. Look, at this point, I don't have anything to lose either. My daughter, my daughter, you know, when she spoke up, I don't know if you guys understand the ramifications of that, but yeah. she tried to go to a, she tried to, you know, go to another school to do gymnastics. It was very unsuccessful. Not until the very end that one coach like actually offered her a spot. But so I'm on the front lines. I I have nothing to lose, and I am going to be an advocate. There's there's no like um, stopping my voice. Like my voice is here, and I'm here to support in any kind of way I can as well. I mean, and if it's it's me standing on the front line too, I'm all for it. I'm be there with Klaus because I mean, I've lost way. it all. I've oh. lost it all, so I'm here. I'm, yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. And that's me. I will not be silenced. I will not be silenced. I will always be an advocate as long as I have breath in my body. Yes. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. We all have to think. Yes. Um, do it, Michaela. Do it. Look at Addis. You do it. You do it. You do it. <laughs> no, you do it. Um, Klaus will want to do it if I, if, I, if I do it. So you go ahead and do it. Do the outro. We like to think everybody who joined us on this very special conversation. We would like to thank everybody who was in the comment session. I don't think I've ever had this many people watching us live on YouTube and on Twitch at the same time. So we welcome and we applaud everybody who joined us in for this heavy, this um, deep conversation. We would like to thank um, Desiree and um, Ms. Tiki for joining us and just speaking their truth to this to these issues because some, like they said, the gymnastics world have these parents shook. The, the parents are so scared that they're going to do any and everything to get their scholarships taken away, girls not making lineups, girls not, especially now with this NIL deal, like parents don't want to do anything to because there's money involved now. So when 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 black girls do something, share those share those clips just the same way you share the, the Olympians. Share, make them go viral. Let these girls get the attention so they can get the money and the power. So they won't have to kowtow to these schools. They could be like, "Screw you! I got my money coming in right here. I don't care what you got to say." Give them the Let power. Them the, girls, the, power the power that they need. Share their content. And donate to to Brown Girls Gymnastics. Donate to all these organizations. Like, if you feel like you want to support a cause, then put your money where your mouth is. It, don't don't buy that coffee this week, girl. Like, <laughs> put the ten dollars towards the organization of your liking, because that's how you get girls in these problems. Breast healthy, you give them the support that they need. Exactly. Correct. 
and let's try to get the HBCU to get to host a gymnastics program. That's yes. hell. I nominate oh, yeah. FAMU. I live in Tallahassee, so I would love for FAMU to have a gymnastics program. That would be awesome. Me too. <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, from us, well, from me and Clappy and Chloe and Play Me Texas, and go ahead, Michaela. Michaela from Tallahassee, Florida. And Desiree from North Carolina. <laughs> and Tiki from Sarasota, Florida. We want to wish you guys 